0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for
1: the Anytime you go before the Lord, and maybe you open up the Word, and you're going to spend some time in the Word, and maybe the Lord's doing something amazing in that moment, in that time, maybe even you speak a tongue that's between you and the Lord, I can promise you this, the enemy will be right there to whisper in your ear, that's not real. Or you see some beautiful passage in the scripture and you're like, man, Lord, thank you so much. I needed to hear that today. The enemy just knows how to show up and says, no, 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 that's not what it says. That's not for you. There's always going to be some sort of contention from the enemy.
0: In today's message, Pastor James will teach on the enemy and how he seeks to kill and destroy anything in his way. The enemy is real and he doesn't want to see you succeed. And he for sure doesn't want you to be in a relationship with the Lord or building his kingdom. Don't let this cause fear or persuade you from following the call that God has on your life. Hold firm to the Word of God and rest in His truths. Chances are, if the enemy is trying to get to you, they're probably doing something right for the Lord. Now here's Pastor James in the Book of Acts, Chapter 2, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: law didn't bring life. What we're talking about is a new covenant with Jesus. And Acts is almost like a, it's not a restart, but it's showing that Christ has fulfilled the law. He's done all that stuff. And in him, there's new life. And you're dealing with loaves of bread that have sin in them. And God says, I'll take that. I'll take it because I dealt with it on the cross. I'll take it. So there's a lot there with uh, this feast, the day of Pentecost, and all this connections to the Old Testament. It all kind of lines up just perfectly as God's just saying, listen, um, what you've known all your lives, and and especially for these guys, what they were brought up, and they understood the feast, and they understood the symbolism and all that stuff. God comes along and says, listen, um, things are changing. Things are changing. I fulfilled it. I'm not throwing away the law. The law was Fulfilled the requirements of the law, through Jesus, that was fulfilled, that was taken care of. There's a new covenant that we're entering into, and that part of that new covenant is life. It's life, newness of life, and it's freedom, and it's forgiveness of sin, and it's only one sacrifice, and that was Jesus's sacrifice for us. So there's a ton a symbolism behind this chapter, just so we understand that. This isn't just simply these guys are sitting around in a room praying, and then the Holy Spirit falls on them and all that good stuff. If you're a Jewish individual at this point in time, you would be making all these connections of like, wait a minute, this is crazy. This is a whole new thing, and it is. It absolutely changes everything. And so that's part of the excitement for these guys who the Holy Spirit gets poured out upon is because they understand, man, we are a part of something that's brand new. And that affects all of history. And it affects the whole world. So there they are, mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire sitting on their heads. Clearly, it's something that they could see, something that was there. Now, you might be thinking like, okay, well, so when's that happen for me? We're not, this is the one that been done thing. We don't see this occurrence. Out of the three things that took place, a sound of a mighty rushing wind, the tongues of fire, and then speaking in tongues, only one of those things is repeated throughout the New Testament, and that's speaking in tongues. So if you're waiting for a tongue of fire to settle in on your head, I, not me. I'm like, no, I, no, I, don't, that's, I don't know if I want to flame above my hair. I don't you know if the stuff I put in my hair is flammable. Um, so I don't know, I'm like... I have no clue. My wife would probably know better than I would, but I'm like, "Ah." no, see, we're not waiting for a mighty rushing wind. We're not waiting for tongues of fire. Tongues still apply today. They do. We'll talk about that. But we don't need Acts chapter 2 in this sense. So if you're waiting around, I'm going to wait for the wind and I'm going to wait for the fire. No, what you need to do is just say, all right, Holy Spirit, will you please fill me? Will you please empower me for service? And by faith, You just trust Him, that He's going to do that. He's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you what you need. These guys, they needed this moment. They needed this. And this is how the Lord chose to start His church. He was going to make this happen. And He's so brilliant. He's just absolutely brilliant. That's the understatement of the year. God is brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant that everything lines up beautifully and perfectly. And it all just makes sense. So these tongues of fire settle on their head, one sat on each of them. And here is verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, that's that overflowing aspect of it. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the key. They weren't like coming up with stuff. Well, if you just say enough things and ramble on enough, that's tongues. That's not really what tongues is. Okay? Tongues, I believe, is a, can be a, a heavenly language. All right? Now, is it always something that is you know, just not understood by our, you know, any of our dialects or anything? No, not all the time. Because in their situation, as the Spirit is giving them utterance, what they're doing is speaking in other languages, in other languages. And here's why that matters. We go on, verse 5. In their dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, it just so happens that at this feast, at this time, All these individuals from all over the world are there in Jerusalem. Just so happens. And then it says, verse 6, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language? And we'll go through this list in a second. But here's the scenario. These guys are in this room. Holy Spirit falls on these guys. They begin speaking in tongues, but it's not an unknown tongue. It's known by other people, just not by everybody. So they're speaking in tongues, and this is happening. Well, people that are close, and that's why I'm saying this is probably a room connected to the temple, because you might have church going on. Church, for religious people, church is happening while God is moving over here with this group of ragtag individuals who don't qualify to be leaders, and they don't qualify to turn the world upside down as far as these guys are concerned. But there's a sound that's happening, a mighty rushing wind that takes place, and then they start hearing all this, this, this talking, and they're like, what's going on? Who's messing up church service? Who's messing up church And then they go, and what they begin to discover is all these individuals are literally from all over the world. These are people representing these different regions who just so happen, I'm using that sarcastically, just so happen to be in Jerusalem at the temple on this day when the Spirit falls. I think God knows what He's doing. I think He knows what He's doing. And if He can coordinate and organize this Just imagine what he can do with your life. Imagine what a good heavenly father who loves you and cares about you more than what you'll ever know, imagine what he can do with just your life and how well he actually can take care of you. These guys show up on this day and the spirit drops like a bomb on these believers who are gathered together because they're awaiting this promise and all these individuals, I mean their lives are never the same. Let's go through this list. Verse 9. I'm probably going to butcher some of these, um, so it's okay. Uh, If you're a grammar person uh, or uh, phonetics or talking, listen, just grace, okay? Grace is all I ask. Uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Of course, we know that as like Asia Minor in the Turkey region there. Uh, Phrygia. Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Okay, proselytes, just so if you don't know what that word means, it's somebody who is non-Jewish who converted over to Judaism. So that's what that word means. So you have people, Jews and non-Jews, but who have uh, converted to Judaism. They're all together, and they're all from the surrounding regions. And even as far as Rome, Everybody shows up, and they're like, who's talking my language? Who's speaking my language? In this reference concerning tongues, that's what it was. It was the Lord was using his vessels, his children, to grab hold of the attention of other people. Well, they all spoke a common language, so they could have used the common language. But when somebody starts speaking your language, you pay attention. And we all know that that's very true. What was the, the accusation about these guys was they're Galileans. Galileans are country folk in Israel, right? They get that draw, right? They can't say a certain words properly. I'm born and raised Texas. Yeah, I know. Um, everybody knew who they were by the way that they spoke, their accent and everything. Like, how did these guys, which that was always like, that's not a compliment to these guys. It was never a compliment to them. Oh, you're from Galilee. I can tell by the way you talk. That was always kind of like, oh, you're not as refined as I am. So they're like, how are these Galileans speaking our native tongue? So the Lord was going to use that because the Lord is not bound by our language barriers. He actually can supersede those things, and he can break through any wall that we have a difficulty breaking through. He's not bound by the things that we're bound by. He's like, I can make you speak another language that you have never even spoken before. Uh, dear friends of mine, high school buddies, uh, Bible college buddies, that kind of a thing, they went on a mission trip to New Orleans, all right? And uh, these are Amarillo boys. They, uh, they go down to New Orleans. It's the best kind of mission trip in that, you know, their trailer was broken into. Um, the car caught on fire. Literally, the suburban caught on fire on the highway. And that's the best mission trip you can ever be a part of because if everything's going right, you're not doing something right, okay? Any mission trip I've been on, it's always been like, oh, Lord, why is all this happening? He's like, well, because you're doing what I tell you to do. So there, the bikes are stolen, the suburban burnt down, but they're like, we're still going to keep going. We're just going to share the gospel. That was the whole intent. And this was like part of their senior trip before one of them took off the Bible college. He's like, we're just going to go in. We're just going to share the gospel. We're going to share the gospel. Well, they came across some individuals who didn't speak English. Now, they spoke Spanish. My friends don't know any Spanish. <laughs> they know muy poquito, a little Spanish, okay? Like none, right? Not even to save their lives. They start sharing the gospel. Craziest thing happens. And if, if I didn't know these guys, I would approach this story with a little bit of skepticism. But they came back and um, one of the guys was just kind of standing off to the side, just praying. And when they had done talk to these guys, they led them to the Lord and everything. They came back, they met together. And the guy's like, how do you know how to speak Spanish? And my friend was like, I don't know how to speak Spanish. He's like, dude, you were speaking Spanish. That's how they heard everything that you said. You were talking to them. And he's like, I don't know how to speak Spanish. Like he's freaking out. Like, I don't know how to speak Spanish. The Lord busted right through that barrier and people got saved because of that. He's not bound by our restraints or our constriction, anything like that. Praise God for that. There's another story. John Corson told this story of uh, when they were having like this gathering of men and they were meeting in a hotel conference room. And as part of the policy for the hotel is when you use the conference room, there's like a mini bar kind of in the back of the room, which is funny. You got all these pastors together and the mini bar has to stay open regardless of who's using the room, right? So a guy, there's a bartender, a guy at the back, and he's, you know, he's just doing his thing as these guys are just praying, well, somebody gets up and they speak a word, like it's nobody knows what he said. It's a tongue. He speaks a tongue. They waited because technically, when you're in a corporate gathering, if somebody speaks a tongue, there should be an interpretation. And if there's not, well, then we just don't continue on with it, right? So that guy stands up and he says something, and another guy's like, well, there's no interpretation, so we'll just kind of move on from that and we'll just keep praying and all that good stuff. Well, as they're ending this meeting, they're walking out the door. This bartender is crying. They're like, you know, is everything okay? He's like, how did that guy know how to speak my native language? He's like, I'm from Iran. He's like, he spoke it perfectly and beautifully. And he was praising God, the one true God in my language. How did he? And so they got that guy who spoke it, and there's no clue. The Lord used that. This guy got saved because of that. Now explain that. I can't. I can't how do we plan that? Are we going to start a class? No, you can't do that. You can't put this as a program. Here's the best way you can handle this. Number one, in your quiet time with the Lord, listen, if the Spirit gives you utterance and there's the tongues associated with that, it's between you and the Lord. That's fine. That's totally fine. If we do a corporate thing, an afterglow, and somebody gives a tongue, what we pray is that there's an interpretation. Because with the church, everything should be done decently and in order. And all things should glorify the Lord. All things should glorify the Lord. Not ourselves. Nothing that we offer on a Sunday morning or a midweek service or whatever should be about us. It should never be to bring attention to ourselves. It should always be about glorifying the Lord and pointing other people to Jesus. These guys, the Holy Spirit fills them with an overflowing. They begin speaking in other tongues, but the tongues they are speaking are not random tongues. They are specific to the individuals who are lining up in the street, so to speak, and they're hearing their native tongue. And they're saying, you guys are praising God in my language, in my language. And they're all amazed by this. They're all confounded by it as well, but they're like, how is this possible? Well, it goes on to say, um... I don't think i totally finished. that. The Cretans and the Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. That's it. That's it. If a tongue is spoken, it should always be in direction of a praise to God, period, period. So there shouldn't be any confusion about that because God is not a God of confusion. Um, There shouldn't be any... I mean, it's just that praise, that tongue, and if there's an interpretation, it should just be about glorifying the Lord and pointing people to Jesus. That's it. So these guys are all, verse 12, they're all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Like, what is going on? What is going on? We've never experienced this. As far as they're concerned, in all of their history, they've never experienced anything like this never never something new was happening the disciples knew it they were living it at this point in time but now it's overflowing into the lives of the individuals and they're realizing something big is going on we've never encountered anything like this whatever could this mean verse 13 here's the other side others said they're just drunk they're wasted They're wasted. They're just drunk. Okay, I've been around drunk people, all right? I got a history. Um, I've been around a lot of drunk people in my life. And there is a lot of tongues that are spoken between individuals who are uh, intoxicated. None of it makes sense. None of it is glorifying to God. None of it is. Um, I've had so many conversations. I was the designated driver in high school. We went to all the parties. We did all that stuff. My sophomore year is when I decided I'm not going to drink any more alcohol. Okay, that's, I gave it all up. Uh, I have a, a family history with alcoholism. Okay, So I didn't want to be like my dad. That's basically kind of the, the result. So as a sophomore in, in high school, I decided I'm not going to do this anymore. But all my friends, uh, and I love my friends, and I still love my friends to this day, and I cared about them. I care about their safety. And I'm like, I'll be the designated driver. So you can imagine the conversations I had with individuals as I'm, number one, trying to keep them alive in the middle of the night from not choking on their vomit, which is a big deal. It's, uh, that's a sad thing, but... No, these guys aren't wasted. They're full of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter five, be full of the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk, be full of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says. Don't get wasted. No, be full of the Holy Spirit. But these guys, there's always gonna be somebody who comes along, anytime the Lord's doing something great, there's always gonna be somebody who comes along and says, eh, it's not real. It's not real. They're making it up. They're full of new wine. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, okay? And if they're full of new wine at 9 o'clock in the morning, then we have bigger issues with these disciples, okay? So nobody should be getting wasted at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's not practical. It doesn't make any sense. But the enemy will always come along and say, it's not real. It's not real. Anytime you go before the Lord and maybe you open up the Word and you're going to spend some time in the Word and maybe the Lord's doing something amazing in that moment, in that time, Maybe even you speak a tongue that's between you and the Lord. I can promise you this, the enemy will be right there to whisper in your ear, that's not real. Or you see some beautiful passage in the scripture and you're like, man, Lord, thank you so much. I needed to hear that today. And the enemy just knows how to show up and says, no, 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 that's not what it says. That's not for you. There's always going to be some sort of contention from the enemy. This is a beautiful moment. This is a great thing going on. And you have all these spectators who are like, this is incredible. But you're always going to have some within the crowd who say, no, no, no. Can't be true. Can't be real. Can be. Well, why can't it? Why can't it? Are they not speaking in your language? Is that why they're having issues with this? I have no idea. It seems like we got all the languages kind of covered in the known world at this point in time. 15 different native tongues that are being addressed here. No, it's just that thing that there's always going to be opposition. There will always be opposition. And if you're a believer and you're walking with Jesus, you need to realize that. The closer you get to the Lord, the bigger the target gets on your back. So don't let that distract you and don't let that make you pull back from the Lord. If anything, you should press more into your relationship with the Lord. And I know what it's like, because I go through the persecution as well. I go through all this stuff as well. And it feels like, man, when I'm in a good groove, and I'm just like, man, it's never been better with me and the Lord. The attacks come like crazy. And even me, I'm walking with the Lord for 20 years now. Even me, the thought that pops in my head is like, Lord, um, I don't know if I can handle this. Maybe I shouldn't pray as much. Maybe I shouldn't read the Bible as much. And those are thoughts that creep into our minds that we have to quickly say, no, 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 no. Maybe I should pray more. Maybe I should read the Bible more. Maybe I should call out to other people, brothers and sisters in the Lord who I trust, who have wisdom and everything. Maybe I should call out to them more, saying, Hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you guys pray for me? As a church, let me tell you, if there's one thing we can get better at, it's asking for help. It's asking for help. I don't think we need any more suicides in the church within pastors' lives to know that. We need to get better at asking for help. If you're struggling, ask for help. Ask for help. I mean, my goodness, we can't treat Christianity as a lone ranger thing. It wasn't ever intended to be that way. Isolation is the enemy. Isolation is the enemy. Surround yourself with brothers and sisters, ones you trust, Christ followers who know how to speak into your life saying, listen, listen. I'm here to listen to you, but I'm also here to share with you maybe what you need to hear. There's always going to be that opposition. We need to expect that, uh, but we don't need to be discouraged by that. In fact, if anything, I'd be encouraged by it. If there's not opposition in your life concerning your walk with Jesus right now, I would be concerned because maybe you're not a threat. The last thing in this life, and understanding this is a spiritual battle, as weird as it is to say this, I want to be seen as a threat to the enemy. Now, I don't want him to attack me, Man, I don't want, I'm not crazy, all right? I'm not looking for more attacks, but man, I want to be available to God and to be used by him. And if that means that I got to, the fires get turned up a little bit hotter, so be it. Because I got one life. I got one life, one shot at this thing. Don't have to get it perfect, because I'm not. I'm a loaf of bread with a bunch of leaven in it, right? He knows what he got when he got me, all right? But you got one shot, and I'm like, okay, with this one life that you have blessed me with, Lord, I want to go all in for you. It's going to make you a bigger target, but I think we should be okay with that. If we know how to handle that and to rely on, number one, go to him all the time for it. He's got some spiritual armor that he can equip you with to help protect you, but he's also surrounded you with brothers and sisters who know how to lift you up in prayer and to have your back. So We're going to pause it there. Read ahead. I mean, you're going to see about 3,000 people get saved. Again, it's fascinating. If you just look at that compared to Exodus, when the law was delivered, 3,000 souls died. When the Holy Spirit shows up, 3,000 people are born again. I don't think it's a coincidence, right? So read ahead. We'll finish Acts chapter 2 next week. Be praying. Again, we're in exciting times. This is craziness, right? The Lord's doing some crazy things, not just here at Calvary Galveston. I try to stay connected with, uh, with other pastors on the island. The Lord's moving. He's moving through Galveston, through surrounding regions within, you know, outside of Galveston, off the island and all that stuff. The Lord is on the move and we should be aware of that. We should be praying more so like, okay, Lord, if you're doing something, I wanna be a part of what you're doing Lord, I just need to be strong. I need to be strong in you because the enemy's gunning for each and every one of us. That's a reality. But he knows how to protect his kids. He's got your back.
0: How incredible to learn about the Holy Spirit and the faithfulness of the apostles within the early church. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us in this study through the book of Acts. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, feel free to visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. We'd also love to hear from you. So would you let us know how you've been blessed by Bread for the Broken? You can drop us a note through the contact page on our website. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. So for directions, service times, and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we encourage you to read ahead and to begin to study the book of Acts on your own. Although it may seem unrelatable because it took place thousands of years ago, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is still living and active today, and His Spirit is present and seeking those who believe. And if you let him, God can do incredibly powerful things through you for the kingdom. So the question we'll leave you with today is, will you say yes to what God is doing? And will you trust in him to move today just as he did all of those years ago? There's still so much to learn from the book of Acts, but that's all the time we have for today. Join us again next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.